Peace, peace, and welcome uh, back with another dope conversation with um, uh, an incredible uh, woman that's doing amazing work in the city of Atlanta, one of the true, true treasures of our country, the city of Atlanta, uh, pushing public education forward, um, raising a family, and looking super fly all at the same time. <laughs> I'm really excited to have on Miss uh, Erica Mitchell. Welcome, welcome, Erica. Thank you. Thank you for having me this evening. Yeah, yeah. This is um, this is gonna be fun because uh, so the the first time I got this actually chance to meet you was over dinner in D.C. Yeah, with the homie Makai. Mm-hmm. What I immediately noticed about you was, um. Like you just you're so charming, <laughs> and yeah, like the you had great stories, and uh, not to like you know, I mean, um, and then we got to talk further uh, mm-hmm. through our connection to school board partners, and so super excited to uh, talk to Miss Mitchell and get into her story. Where where'd you grow up, Erica? Um, born and raised in Atlanta, Georgia. So I'm a native. What area of Atlanta? Um, East Point, which is right outside of Atlanta. Well, I don't even think it's it's next to Atlanta. So I, we have a Atlanta zip code, but we're in the city of East Point. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I used to, uh, my first time going to Atlanta was when I was in college. I have family that, li- that lived in uh, Kennesaw. Kennesaw, is, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's way up there. Okay. Was that um, Smyrna, Cobb County? Not not Smyrna. Cobb, Cobb County. County. Cobb, yeah, County. Cobb County. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm in Fulton. I'm um, right next to Atlanta. I'm uh-huh. born in Atlanta, but uh-huh. um, my parents bought a house in East Point, and that's where we grew up at. Yeah. Yeah. Talk a little bit about the the home upbringing. Like mom, dad. You have oh, siblings. Yeah. What the focus was in the yeah. household. So my parents are old school parents, um, good Southern Baptist, <laughs> good black folks. Okay. <laughs> so I'll say that, <laughs> um, HBCU grass, Morris Brown, you know, oh, Morris the, Brown. the the track and field. Oh my gosh. I can just go on. Did they, um, meet in college? Did they meet in Morris Brown? No, actually there's a nine year difference between my mom and my dad. My dad okay. is older. So both of them attended Atlanta public schools. Mm-hmm. So my, my background. Okay. So my mom was, um, born in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. but brought back to Atlanta with her family to be raised. Um, she just happened to be born in Philadelphia because my grandma went visit Philadelphia and then had my mom in Philadelphia, but she's from Atlanta. So right, right. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's crazy. So my dad, he's born and raised in Atlanta. You know, he's um, the middle child of two um, brothers and my grandma, his mother moved to Atlanta when she was um, six years old from Monticello, Georgia. My grandfather, my dad's side, moved to Georgia. I mean, moved to Atlanta when he was 19 from Macon, Georgia, with a third grade education. Can you believe that? Mm. He ended up working for the railroads mm. um, and getting his his high school diploma. At the same time, my dad and his brothers were in high school. He went to night school. Mm. Um, and he graduated shortly after my dad. And grandma um, Graduated from the first African-American high school in Atlanta, which is Booker T. Washington in 1936. And she attended Morris Brown. 
Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. So that's where the Morris Brown coming in. On it. <laughs> Got it. So my dad <laughs> and his younger brother attended Morris Brown, but my dad older brother went to the Navy and he's out in San Diego now. So he, he was stationed in San Diego. He lived in San Diego. He's in San Diego now. So my mom's side, um, my um, grandfather um, uh, grew up in Atlanta, um, but by way of Tennessee and Central America, okay. black, black okay. Um, grandfather and um, grew, went to Booker T. Washington. Mm-hmm. Grandmother went to Booker T. Washington High School. They met in high school. Um, and so, you know, they had my mom, but they um, never married. So mm-hmm. um, my my grandma ended up remarrying. Uh, well, not remarrying, but getting married to someone else. And mm-hmm. um, everybody lived and grew up in Atlanta. Um, my mom went to APS school, Price high school okay. um, my father played in the band and ran track at morris brown uh, we get and we so, get the whole uh, lineage with the all the associations and activities yeah, yeah. and so my mom played basketball in high school so uh-huh. i mean you know it's just that that was a community and one of the things i will say um the area that i serve at, on Atlanta board of education it is the first african-american community in atlanta built by blacks homes it's nothing but homes over here, houses. And they moved in in 1958. Hmm. And this is the district that I serve now. So for me, I serve this district with pride, honor, and respect because this is the community that my grandparents helped to build. So I don't take my role lightly. I take it very seriously. And so what um, growing up in Atlanta, education is a priority. My grandma always said, if you read, you will succeed. And that's just true. And that's very deep. And, I, you know, when we were growing up, me and my sister, my brother, so I have an older sister, younger brother. And what was interesting, we would come over to our grandparents' house to get our Christmas presents. Granddaddy would give us money. Grandma would give us a book. And we'd be like, oh, no, another book? <laughs> I would say, and we all had to sit, I mean, stand up and tell her, if I gave you this book, what would happen? If you read, so that was her motto. That- enough. So um, that's what, you know, that comes from for me. Like, I mean, I've got a bookshelf behind me and the book and I, I have dozens of books. My dad has dozens of books. So for us, it's like you read. Reading is um, knowledge and knowledge is power. That's just a little bit about my parents. Um, yeah, no, that's that's actually what I wanted to get to was those um, those lessons, because, you know, like uh, coming into public service, yeah. For some people, it's like um, it makes sense. For some people, other people, it's unconventional. But all of these early experiences help inform, you know, who we are as people. And uh, yes. and I'm I'm really glad that you that you you made that point. Like, you know, my grandparents helped build this community, and I'm proud to serve it. It's District Five. I know from your your newsletter, <laughs> you represent District Five in uh, Atlanta. So so you started to talk about that's that's a beautiful history. Is there anything else you want to say about District 5 before I kind of get more into um, you as a person? District 5, what else about District 5? Oh, yes. Okay, so District 5 have two historical African-American high schools, Benjamin E. Mays and Frederick Douglass. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So these are part of our legacy of excellence, Black excellence in the city of Atlanta. So mm-hmm. I do want to say that, and I'm very proud to serve. Yeah, yeah. Now I can feel it. I, I feel it. I, I believe. I believe when you say that. 
like I was I was saying on on Twitter today that uh we've been about black folks before the hashtags and window signs. We ain't Thank new you. To, we ain't new to this, we true to this. So you you grew up, you had these informative life lessons. Where did you also go to HBCU? Yes, I did. I went to the Alabama State University. Uh-huh. <laughs> I have to say it like that. And I say it like that because when, let me just share this with you. I went to private school, Montessori, Montessori school, private school, and then I went to public school. The public school I went to was not in my community. It was 30 minutes outside of my community. And majority of the kids in my public in the public school I attended didn't look like me. We were the minority. We were maybe like one percent, and um, that was second through second grade through twelfth grade. And so, in high school, I was an athlete. So I played basketball, I ran track, I played volleyball. Mm-hmm. Um, ended up getting a track and field scholarship to Alabama State University. So that track and field scholarship um, meant a lot to me um, because I could have went to a not not traditional HBCU. I could have went to UGA. I could have went to South Florida. I could have went to wherever I wanted to go. But going to an HBCU, to me, at, at that age was like, oh, I'm going back with my people, with my people, because I've been away from that environment for a while. Um, and so, and I say it that way because it, it's, it's with so much pride and being proud and, and knowing that this school was built for us, by us, and ain't no one can take that away from us. Mm-hmm. And that's just, that that sticks to my core value of how we rise up as a people mm-hmm. and how we continue to rise and how we continue to strive every day. Um, and I see it. I see it in the students that I serve. So much energy, so much hope, just so much ambition. and. Um, you know, I, I just have to say Alabama State University. I'm going to just leave that alone right there. Ah, uh, yeah, I love it. I love it. <laughs> I, I love it. Because, um, yeah, I think, you know, like we need that affirming, um, uh, positive, like representation of all of our institutions that helped, that, that we're proud of. Like, you know, and I think speaking to that, the way you do is dope. And, um, and so it sounds like, you know, education is a big part of your upbringing. You're now on the school board. Um, what were you doing before you ran? Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Woo, you ready? <laughs> That's a big question. That's a big question. Let's, 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 start, let's start after the Alabama State University. All right. <laughs> so you finished at Alabama. You, what happened after? Oh, my God. Okay. Now you're taking me down memory lane. <laughs> I majored in. <laughs> I majored in um, computer computer information systems and business administration. Okay. Um, after I graduated, but before I graduated, let me just say two things. Um, the track team, my track team that I was on, female women track team, we won the first ever Southwestern Athletic Conference Championship for the school. Mm. So we won indoor and outdoor twice. The first championships the school ever saw. Uh huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. You'd like to win. I, I, I can brag about it now, but before I was just like, we won. I'm good. We won. Uh-huh. But then, uh-huh. you know, number two in my conference individually, mm-hmm. indoor and outdoor, me. Okay. <laughs> and so 
I can brag about it now. Right. <laughs> but before I would just like, no, we gotta we gotta take it to the next level. We we gotta uh, go to the Olympics. We gotta you know, and, and uh, things uh, happen. So uh, uh, I'm, as, I'm I'm proud of that because that set the pace for what we see now with Alabama State track and field. They are winning nine, twelve straight conference championships back to back. And it was because we helped pave that way. And now you can see, you can see how it's paid for with the teams that they have now and how they recruited because they had the teams 20 something years ago, 20, no, no less than 20 years. I could say 18 years ago that won. Okay. So now I'm telling you my age. Yeah. You look good though. You look great. (laughs) But it's great though. Like it's just like what's in history, you know, and all of that is great. So, Anyhow, finishing up at Alabama State, moving back to Atlanta. First corporate job, working for Coca-Cola in the mm-hmm. IT department um, for a year. During that year, I was like, you know, let me go to aesthetic school. Aesthetic school is the um, a school where you study the hist- um, histology of the skin. Mm-hmm. So you ever heard of esthetician? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I went to study. Um, the um a- aesthetics, and a- that's why you got that glow. That's that glow. <laughs> yeah, I keep saying, no, keep <laughs> go ahead. Um, go ahead. <laughs> so I went and studied that because I wanted to um get more into that industry as, mm-hmm. as in, in um in that industry along with you know having my day job working at IT. Went to school for aesthetics at Aveda Institute, worked for IT in the IT arena with Coca-Cola. Um, finished up after a year, moved to Miami. That's a long story. <laughs> <laughs> Had a great time, okay. met a lot of people, met a lot of good people, worked down there um, in the IT profession and also aesthetics as well. Um, was a trainer for Aveda and then came back to Atlanta, did a lot of freelance work for movies, TV shows, uh, edit- editorials for um, magazines and stuff you, with makeup. Well, I, don't call, I, 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 you know, developed the trade because everybody okay. can't do I'm that. Sorry. I'm sorry. That's what I want to say. I developed the trade. <laughs> Look, I'm in my 20s, right? I'm just coming uh-huh. out of school. I still got energy, right? I'm not, uh-huh. I'm not married, no kids. Uh-huh. I mean, what I got to lose, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then I started working with beauty pageants. Remind you, I'm still working my day job. That's what what I'm saying. That's why I see the ambition, like the grind. You had a (laughs) full-time job, and this is all outside of work, but continue. Yeah, it's all outside of work. And I I would share with you, the turning point was when I turned 25, and all the values and and lessons my grandma taught is still here because she passed away when I just, like a couple of weeks after I turned 25. So my main focus was to keep busy because I just couldn't, it was just hard for me to cope with her death. Mm-hmm. So working and going to school was kept me focused, kept me busy. And I did that for a while. And I guess that's how some people grieve, you know? That's the way I did it because I didn't know how to cope with it. It was a big loss to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my thing is, stay busy. You don't think about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, um, what was her name? What was your grandmother's name? Um, Annie Mae. Annie Mae. Anyway, you know that's a good southern name, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a beautiful name. So, yeah. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> so I named my daughter. I named my daughter Anna okay. because my grandma name was Annie. So mm-hmm. that's kind of how that went. Mm-hmm. But um, 
No, I, I, I did that because it, it helped me. It helped me so much. And, you know, you, you said hustler. I said it saved me. Right. Because I could have went into bad depression or anything. Um, but like I said, I was I was working in IT and then I was doing makeup. And then next thing you know, um, beauty pageant started calling me up. Miss Africa, USA, Miss Miss Latina. USA, Miss America Latino del Mundo, which is Miss Latin America of the World. And so next thing you know, I'm in Mexico doing makeup for a huge production for Latin women from all over the world. And I'm like, whoa, like I've never seen this before. This is bigger than Miss Universe. Like it's huge. And I just kept going and going and going. And, and, and my, I, I began um, transitioning from the IT field into more aesthetics because it was like it was a passion and I just was really good at it then I went back to school to get my um aesthetics license to become an instructor Mm -hmm. so I started teaching for Aveda Institute the school I graduated from Mm -hmm. and uh which was really cool like going back a couple of years later as an instructor and did that for a while and uh, created different curriculums for students um and developed different programs. So we had our first makeup academy and I took those students to Dominican Republic. We had like 20 students that went down there, taught them about productions, taught them about makeup, um, to do it on a a larger scale to build their portfolios, um, help. And then I started consulting with the spa industry, uh, helping spas open up, consulting with them on how to build their programs and and retain clients and retain staff so I did that for a while and in the midst of all of this I had two kids (laughs) so (laughs) yeah Yeah. so I did that for a while and then Uh next thing you know I'm getting calls to produce pageants and then I became the director for Miss Georgia Latina Mm. had to get that together and you know the business skills start kicking in so you you're doing everything from a to z as a um uh, I said entrepreneur, but more so uh, as a business owner. So I did, we did a lot of um, production. We did a lot of um, uh, life skills building for um, Latina and Caribbean young girls, which I thought was really important. And you learn so much from just different people, like their struggle in the U.S. is different from my struggle in the U.S., right? And their acceptance is different from my acceptance. And you learn from them so much and they learn so much from you. Um, And through like different workshops and community service projects that we did, um, I end up running into the president of the NFL alumni. Hmm. And so next thing you know, they're asking me to come work for them because <laughs> they hmm. saw so much of the community work that I was doing and with the young women. And so I was like, I could come over, you know, part time because this was like really, really um, full time for me because we had so much we would do every month. Uh, we had events and, you know, we had one or two big productions a year. So it takes a while to plan for those things. And so I started um uh, uh, consulting with the NFL um, alumni in Georgia. And then next thing you know, they asked me to plan their golf tournaments. And then the next thing you know, I imagine they're managing their public relations. And now I'm booking athletes for mm. different um, gigs or what have you, book signings, um, TV shows, whatever. I'm doing all of this, right? And then I'm running the pageants on the side. So I was like, ooh, that's a lot. But but the thing about it was it was so flexible because it wasn't an everyday task that I had to do. And mm-hmm. it allowed me to stay home with my children, which was really important because they were young. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so worked for the NFL alumni and then ended up um, going over to the NFL Players Association, which is the union for the NFL. And we have a Metro Atlanta chapter. And again, I was planning golf tournaments, public relations, marketing, all of that for them. And I ended up meeting a lot of different people. And um, we, we set up a program where we would go into the school and I named it Read to Succeed after grandma. There you and go. we had the athletes go into the schools and read to the kids. Mm-hmm. And we saw how impactful it was. It was just like, whoa, like, okay, we're, we got to continue this, right? Mm-hmm. And so then I started going into the schools. I started talking to the principals, started talking to the teachers. And that's when my eyes started to open up. There's a huge disparity with African-American students and their needs and the wraparound services and everything else. And I didn't know that. And if it wasn't for me doing the community service, going into the schools with the athletes, I probably wouldn't, it would never probably have clicked to me that this was happening. And so working with those those teachers and principals and helping, you know, them, the, the um, schools doing fundraisers, bringing athletes in there, giving away book bags, whatever it was, it really like let me know, oh my gosh, there's so much work to be done. And these are the schools in the area that my grandparents helped to build, which were, you know, top performing schools years ago, like years ago. And now they're not. And you, you ask yourself, what happened? What happened? And I have my own conspiracy theory on that, you know, but... Mm-hmm. <laughs> but because you know the, the schools are the heart of the community and when the schools are not thriving there's something's wrong with what wrong with that but then you have to look around the school and what's happening in the neighborhood and so that's why i had said i have my conspiracy theory about you know certain presidents and what they push through the black community mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. that helped to the help with the decline of the black community mm-hmm. and that affected the school when your parents are locked up mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know for some some things <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that you set the bar real high for them and low yeah. for others. I'm just saying, yeah. but yeah, that's well, a whole you know, other issue. <laughs> yeah, we gotta, yeah, we got to make a plan on cook on cook on Monday morning, cook on quarantine. Well, say say what's on your heart. <laughs> you know, the um, well, you had two things going on. Uh huh. You had, and I'm gonna say it because my people from Panama, you had. Reagan invading Panama, setting Noriega up with drugs, okay? Uh, uh-huh. Then you had drugs being pushed into the black community. You had crack cocaine, then you had cocaine. But crack cocaine, you got more. But cocaine, pure cocaine, you did. So right. if crack cocaine costs more than pure cocaine, so where do you think the black cocaine was? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The crack cocaine. Right. <laughs> Not black cocaine, but the mm-hmm. crack cocaine. So mm-hmm. it was in the African-American community. Yeah. And that destroyed our community. Mm-hmm. I don't hear anybody say that did. Mm-hmm. You know, your parents are going to jail. Babies are being born, you know, I mean, it destroyed our community. So what happens? It, it affects the schools. My household was affected by that. You know, I, I grew up in a community. A lot, a, lot, a lot of homes were destroyed by drugs yes. and alcohol. And yes. then people were sent away. So kids are growing up without their parents. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And um, a lot of that is well documented. The the U.S. government's use of selling drugs to help arm militia groups against yep. um, uh, Central American governments, like all that is like, like they yeah. admitted it on national television yeah, that that's did. what the, that's no, what the deal did. was, they you know. They did yeah. when they went to Panama, and mm-hmm. and you know, I, and I thought about you know um, Cuba, why they wanted Cuba so bad, why they wanted control of the Panama Canal really mm-hmm. bad, 
mm-hmm. no, because that you know it, Cuba is what ninety miles away from the U.S. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Panama, Panama Canal is the gateway into the U.S. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what can you get through there? Right, right. I mean, the, the interesting thing for me, the transition, like when I when I when I became a elected official, right, mm-hmm. um, and then you see actually what is happening behind the scenes. Yep. Uh, the black community has over the course of one of the things that's I think consistent in our culture is this um, questioning mistrust of government mm-hmm. because of the direct injury that government placed and targeted like our people. You see it now. Yes. We haven't even gotten into the, you know, we're in the middle of shelter in place. We, before we got on the, the line, we started talking about, you know, Atlanta, um, the issues that Atlanta is grappling with around, uh, the recent killings of uh, a few black men yeah. by police. Like we have, you haven't even started on that yet. We haven't right? even gotten on that. Um, and but then you know, being elected, like uh, our school system gets that type of mistrust as well. And and there's a lot of um, underserving that's happened by school districts in the black community. Yeah, so I had a conversation once about how odd it is to. Um, represent a system <laughs> that uh, people don't like or trust, and then mm-hmm. and then like how like like oh, am I supposed to defend this? Like yes. I can't. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I feel you. That's how uh-huh. I feel. Like whoa, which way we going on this? Right? <laughs> yeah. I'm for the people now. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I think so. You haven't even gotten to your first election. Like you, you. So you, you were, you were doing all this engagement work. You, um. Sounds like you really you're in many ways you're self built. I, I I heard the theme of education in your career story. Like I I learned the skill. I went to go teach other people. As I was le- learning, mm-hmm. I, I saw issues. As I started to run stuff, I got people engaged on social impact mm-hmm. features. Like I saw yes. that that were connected to schools. I see that's like very consistent and all bringing it back to the legacy of your of your grandmother, right? Yes, um, my parents. So, um, so you had every service. reason. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Go ahead. Community service was key in our family. Um, mm-hmm. We served. We, my, my, saw my grandparents hold neighborhood meetings. I saw my grandma went um, volunteer her time with the girls club at the time. That's what they called it. And I saw my granddaddy and both grandparents on both sides um, real active in the community. Now, my mom's dad ended up moving to New York and he was a big contractor he had he got a lot of contracts for New York. I don't want to say he helped build some of the cities, but he I mean part of the city, but he did. And so we always pride ourselves with always giving back, always helping, always being involved. You take care of the community, the community that you live in, right? Um, so picking up working with the NFL and going into the schools, knowing that I have school age children, and I was like, Whoa, my kids gotta go to these schools. And I'm like, let me just be real with you. That's 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 what I thought. And mm-hmm. I said, mm, I can't move. Mm-hmm. And I shouldn't have to move. We should have good schools in every neighborhood. It shouldn't matter if it's a black, a majority black neighborhood or majority white neighborhood or mixed neighborhood. Good schools are just need to be need to have good schools. That's just it. So um I had my son in a charter school, which was Kip. And I was like, why should he have to go to a charter school? Because my traditional school isn't up to par. So this got to change, right? Like, we can't do this. Um, and so I said, you know what? 
I would run for school board. And um, I don't know if I win or not, but I know what my heart is. I know what my passion is, and I'm going to try. Because I always believe if you don't try, you fail. But if you, you know, because you never try, you fail. But if you try and you don't succeed or accomplish that goal, you learn something. Mm-hmm. You learn something where you can go back and try again, you know. But if you never try, that's when you fail yourself. And so I always look at that as where I don't have anything to lose. And so I put everything, I put 100% into it. I ran my own campaign. I didn't have a campaign manager. I was my campaign manager because if I said, and and, and don't laugh at this, I said, if I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose on my own terms. <laughs> Not have someone make me lose because they didn't do their job because I know I'm going to work hard to win. And so if, if, I, if I'm going to go down, I'm going to go down myself by myself and um, not have someone take me down. And because what I will tell you, I ran into a lot of people who wanted to run my campaign, but they just wanted to get paid. And it, doesn't, it didn't matter if I won or not. And I was just like, I'm not here for that. I'm here to win. Mm-hmm. And uh, I took my business skills <laughs> and looked at marketing look at different marketing channels because that's really what campaign is. You marketing a message. And that's what I did. And I, I have people who help. I have family members who help cousins, uncles, people I ain't heard from in years come and say, we will support you. And we work together. We did um, Sunday drive bys at the church. We go and drop flyers in and go to the next church. We hit every church in the district before mm-hmm. church let out. So they knew who I was when they got out of church, right? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> it was crazy. Like me and my dad, three o'clock in the morning, we putting out yard signs, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> putting up billboards, putting up posters and flyers and robocalls. And we, we met every dime that anyone gave me, mm-hmm. we made it stretch. We mm-hmm. used it for the campaign. We mm-hmm. did. And I can speak to that. Mm-hmm. I mean, every dime, every penny, every cent, everything was mm-hmm. all about the campaign. And first time running, first time winning. Hey. And that was by the grace of God. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love speaking of first time winners because um I had uh I had the young sister Dorian who's also on school board partners. Yeah. Uh, She's super, super sweet. I love her. Yeah. And she's a first time winner. I lost my first race. Oh. And so I um people, you know, if they've watched other episodes, they've heard me talk about losing. And losing, there was a lot of benefits to not to not winning for me. Yeah. But um, and I I hear your story and I and I and I love that you went out and did it, right? Because like hearing about um you talk about how proud you were about the the, the things you accomplished in track and field, and how that left the that the, left the legacy for the institution. Like you had built these muscles around like like going for it, right? And then you saw a need or a problem, and then like you reactivated that, and then you went for it. And I think it's, I think it's dope too that you have kids and they saw you do that too. Like, okay, I'm gonna go do yeah. this. And, um, I didn't think how impactful it was on, for my kids. Like they've seen everything play out. And I remember my son saying, vote for mommy Mitchell. And I said, that's what you're telling hey. people. And like, you know, I was like, oh my God, what the crap. And I didn't realize like they seen me go doing this. Uh-huh. And, and, and we'll drive and my son said, that's your son, mommy. That's your son. And my daughter like, that's your son. And then they see what I had one billboard. But anyway, they're like, oh, you go, baby. <laughs> <laughs> It was just 
interesting. I don't even know. I mean, to this day, I don't know how that impact them. I don't know. And I always tell my son, and maybe I'm too cocky about saying this, but I tell my, my daughter and my son, we, I said, we're Mitchells. We always win. <laughs> hey. <laughs> there you go. And then he's looking go. at me. But because you, I get that from my dad. you got to like, work. You got, they see you working, too. They see you winning, but they see you yeah. working. Like yeah. the process, being committed to the process, you know, yeah. is um, it's not, and because you're talking about the W, but you you said every penny. Every you know, penny. There's intention behind every penny. Every penny. And you ain't here to get paid. We here to win. This ain't about getting paid. That's really what it was. <laughs> it was like, get, no, we're gonna win this thing and we're gonna get in there and we're gonna make some changes. Uh-huh. And that's that was the most important thing for me. So when you when I asked myself, what did I accomplish in four years? And I'm in my third year. Mm-hmm. And it's so much I want to do, so much I've been working on. And everything I've done has been intentional, whether I have support of my board members or not. But I know what that my community, know what those kids need. So I'm not going to stop because, oh, you're not doing it our way. I don't know what your way is because it's not in a book in black and white. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> this past practices. I don't know past practices. I know what needs to be done right now. And I'm going to go do it. Mm-hmm. And that's the mindset I have. And I know a lot of people don't respect that. A lot of people are like, oh, you just can't do your own thing. Well, I'm following the rules and regulations. So what, is it not the way you want to do it? Or mm-hmm. you got a problem with the way I do it? Because I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And mm-hmm. I don't say that to be to start trouble. I say it because before I got there, these problems existed. This ain't nothing new. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And we're still in the same situation. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> like, hello, somebody. Right. <laughs> let's, thinking, and you ain't yeah. throwing a lifesaver, you know? Right. right. Let's let's get it, let's get into it a little bit just in terms of like the context of your board. How many board members do you have? We have nine board members. Okay. So there's nine board members, nine districts. Um, well, it's nine board members, six districts, and three okay. at large. Three at large, okay, okay. And so um, within your district, how many schools are there? Oh, wow. I had 22 in my district. Wow, that's large. That's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot. I have the largest district. So now okay. I think I have maybe 20 now because they closed two schools before I was elected. Okay. Well, actually, they voted to close those two schools. Hmm. And so it didn't take place until my second year. Hmm. Um, so I think that moved me down to 22, a little bit over eight. 8,800 8, students, a little bit more than 8,800 students. I don't have the, the correct number, but that's what I'm looking at. So I have, we have, um, we also look at our um, AP, uh, Atlanta Public Schools, look at clusters. So you have like the signature high school and all the feeder schools, and that'll be one cluster. So I have the, as I said, Benjamin E. Mays cluster and the Frederick Douglass cluster. So those are two largest um, in my in the entire district, and I serve all of Northwest Atlanta and a part of um, Southwest Atlanta. So okay. I'm on the west side. Got it. Got it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, um, and you just said you selected a new superintendent, correct? Yes, man. I'm so excited. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What's your super, what's your new superintendent's name? Her name is Dr. Lisa Herring. And she is from Macon, Georgia. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Georgia Beach. Um, 
I'm excited. I'm excited. She comes with a passion to serve, which is really important. Um, knowledgeable about all areas that takes all areas of um, a school system um, and very knowledgeable about our kids, mm-hmm. our African-American kids. Our school district is 74.7% African-American. She understands the what it takes to educate Black kids. Mm-hmm. and the barriers that Black kids are facing mm-hmm. and how to break those barriers. She understands equity mm-hmm. and, and trauma-informed practices mm-hmm. and restorative justice and, you know, what what's needed for our special needs populations and our, our um, kids who have IEPs. And, and also, she's so open that um, she's looking to collaborate with our Hispanic population. And and that's probably I would say about roughly eight or nine percent of our um uh, student population, and like thirteen percent is um Caucasian, and then we have another percent that's just I guess it's just compilement to other, mm-hmm. which I think we shouldn't do. We should respect the different ethnicities and race, but mm-hmm. you know um we are international city, so I'm just saying you know let's have a little respect for everyone. Right. right. Um, but, you know, she comes with a sense of passion and wanting to serve. And that, to me, speaks volume in the direction that this school district needs to go. When you talk about closing that achievement gap and um, making sure that all our students are proficient in the three R's, reading, math, and arithmetic. Mm-hmm. Um, that's old school, but that's that's mm-hmm. still true to this day, right? Mm-hmm. And I think she can she can turn our district a, a district around. I really mm-hmm. do. I mean, a lot of people talk about oh, Atlanta and the cheating scandal, I, and and I don't want to play anything down, but that was ten years ago. We're so past that, and I know there. Again, to respect everyone else, I know there are certain things that are affected by the cheating the cheating scandal. I get it, but that should have been cleaned up before now. You know, you're talking about a 10 year gap. You know, you had 10, we had 10, we had 10 years to clean it up. We had, um, and the people who were accused of whatever that was handled in court. So we can't go back to that. You know, what's the, what's the context on that? What's uh, the cheating scandal? Hmm? You said the cheating scandal? Yeah. So in, um, 2008, I believe Atlanta public schools went through, through a bad cheating scandal. So it was during the time when George Bush, it was like the, for the test scores. Yes, for the test scores because okay, okay. he he um approved that uh, assigned a bill, no child left behind, right, right, act, right. Mm-hmm. and every school district was cheating. But mm-hmm. Atlanta was called out on a national scene. Yeah, that's what I was. That's what I was actually remembering was that several sites got accused of that, but I, I wasn't aware that Atlanta was sort of elevated. But that was happening all over the country. It was. It was happening yeah. all over the country. But you know, we at the time Atlanta public schools had a half a billion dollar budget. Um, and it just looked like the state wanted to take it over because they wanted the money, the control over that money. Um, every year, you know, almost every time we go into session at the the Capitol, you have a group of people who want to take over the city of Atlanta airport every year because they want control over the money. And I think, I believe that was the same thing for the school district. Um, because Atlanta was not the only school district in the state of Georgia that was doing that or even the country. But, you know, we serve a predominantly African-American district. So, of course, that's going to be targeted. Right. Um, the people who were accused served their time or 
it was handled in court. So we have to move past that. Mm-hmm. We have some effects from that, but we have to correct that. We have to straighten it out and move past it. Because, you know, a lot of time I hear, oh, you know, I heard the cheating scandal. I'm like, yeah, that was 10 years ago. But then there was someone brought in three years prior to that to, to kind of clean it up for a new superintendent to come in who stayed with us for six years. And so now we, we're transitioning Dr. Herring in and I'm just like, okay, I'm excited because I see the potential of where we can go and what we can be. Mm-hmm. And the, the pride of a lot of public schools and the people who want a lot of public schools to succeed. So for me, I, I, I'm, I'm just excited for a new direction that focused on student achievement for all students, but to put the focus really on African-American students, because here's, here's what I say. We have a predominantly black school board. We have a black superintendent. We have a um, predominantly black um, city council, a black mayor, predominantly black, um, uh, what is it called? Um, County commissioners and our kids at the bottom. We're in the positions to make all the decisions they help our race move forward. But our kids are at the bottom. That is unacceptable. So I tell people, you hold me accountable because I need to be held accountable. But there's some things that I need to do. Call me out. Tell me I need to do it because I'm here to serve. So, so I don't take it lightly. I just think that we could do more. We're in the position. We can't say, you know how they used to say back in the day, it's the man. The man is us. Are we going to run a system that's broken, a system that was built on segregation or we're going to fix it and make it right. So we're in a position and it's up to us to do it. And we can't complain about stuff that we can't control. We're controlling this. So let's fix it and get it right. And that's how I look at it. I don't want to hear excuses. I don't make excuses. I just want to move the work forward. And I want our kids to succeed just like I want all kids to succeed. But when you have a large number of African-American students in the school system that is reading, below grade level, below st- um, um, state standards in, a- in our school district standards, that's a problem. It's a huge problem. Because you talk about prison, to po- I mean, school to prison pipeline, that's what you setting them up for. And that's not what we need to do. Yeah, I wanted to get into that actually about um, uh, what it means to have in certain you know, service major cities that uh, are facing this, like majority black leadership and um, <laughs> sort of like generational black poverty and um yeah. and how and the the mechanisms to interrupt that you know one of the things that i've grappled with as a district as as a as an elected official is um is this tension about like like is this going to move the needle like is me yeah. voting here going to mean is the you connection the yeah right because because you talked about you talked about your family right and um in your in your kids seeing you do stuff, and uh, I saw your I saw your mayor I saw her and I was like that's that's you know what I'm, I'm glad she's there that's a beautiful woman and I and I wanted to do well, but then when I saw her to like uh, getting upset about the CNN building I, I kind of rolled my yeah. eyes a little bit you know yeah <laughs> I, we can talk about see. that because you know yeah. I've had conversations <laughs> about that too uh-huh. but, go and, ahead. And, and, <laughs> but go ahead I'm sorry. Well, yeah, I'm just going to say it just because, you know, um, I, don't, I don't have to get, I'm not elected. I have a black mayor, a female mayor in my city. Yes, you I, do. Yeah. I, I defend her as a person, like, like res- respect this person. 
don't like you can disagree with this person but respect her right that's kind of like like how i come down on some stuff and and i and where, where she does well i speak out on it where i disagree with her, with her i speak out on it but um when I saw that, I was kind of like, come on now, are you banging for the CNN building? And that's kind of like, that's kind of funny to me. When simultaneously uh, you're in a city that like the people are struggling. It's not saying that she's not also talking about that, but um, you know, how angry she was when she was talking about it. I was kind of like, ah, I wouldn't get that much energy to the CNN building. But I don't know though. I don't know the context. That's just kind of how I felt when I saw it. <laughs> well, you know that phone was ringing that night. Like, what's going on in Atlanta? Uh-huh. People protesting. It'd be all right. Uh-huh. Y'all burning up police cars. They gonna get new ones. It'd be all right. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know. But um, <laughs> like, I'm so nonchalant with it because when you think about, and, and for me, knowing what I've seen in this city, right? We have kids that stand on the sidewalk in a, or in the middle of the street in those islands to sell water so they can make money to feed their families, okay? You go through these neighborhoods and you see these apartment complexes and you wouldn't live there, but I see the families um, that my students, their families, they're living there. I remember me and my dad had drove in uh, one apartment mm-hmm. complex because um, the principal was just like, you got to go see this. You got to go see it. Um, my dad said, dad, let's go over. And you drove around and you saw the disparity, the suppression, oppression. I mean, just everything. Like people have lost hope, the mental health of these people. We don't know where they are. We don't know what mind they're in. Right. And I'm seeing this, but you have the kids that are going to school. So you think about school is a safe haven. Right. And they go home and it's chaos. It's a lot. It's a lot. They're looking at it's a lot. Their experiences, a lot of trauma that they're dealing with, especially when you when you see like um, these kids who witness people getting shot, witness the police brutality, witnessing their parents going getting pulled off the jail. Right. Just a lot of different things. Um, just walking to school, you know, I, I'll, and I was, I'll share this with you because this is what really got me for three months in. Um, I remember I got a phone call from one of my principals and she said, one of our students committed suicide. Now, mm. this is an elementary school um, uh, principal. And I said, mm. no, suicide? What, what are you mm-hmm. talking about? The child was 10 years old. Mm. He had dealt with so much trauma in his life that he wanted to end it. I could not get myself off the floor because I was in tears. Because I said, three months after being elected, I'm dealing with? Like, I wasn't prepared for this. Mm -hmm. And I just remember talking to the principal, like, what could we have done? to help this child. And she said they tried to do everything they could. They tried to help him. They tried to counsel him. I mean, they just, he just couldn't break away from it, everything he was experiencing. And I said, okay, okay. Then here I am raising money to bury this young child. I couldn't even go to the funeral because I just couldn't do it because it weighed so heavily on me. Like, at 10 years old, you need to be a child, a child. And so I look at that 
Like, where did we fail this child at, right? Where did we fail his parents? So let's go to the parents. You want to serve the child, you got to serve the parents too. And I don't know. And as I started going throughout the year, it started to become more clear because the next month I lost a child, got shot. 15 years old, Benjamin E. Mays, um, high school student. Next month, no one else gets killed. And then here we are at graduation. I said, okay, we're going to get through graduation, right? Let me tell you, this what this what did it. Um, May 25th, we graduated um, best high school. And I remember shaking every child's hand as they going across the stage, hugging them, kissing them. You know, I'm affectionate. I'm a mom. And that was Friday. Monday morning, I get a call. Um, one of the students was killed. He had um, $50,000 in scholarship money mm. to study engineering at Albany State College. Killed from someone in his community, another child who wasn't going to school, shot and killed him. You know that that took a lot out of me because I said these kids can't even grow up and can't even get out of school without getting killed or killing themselves. And then the next year, a couple more, and I was like, and then staff, and then I was like, oh god, oh god, oh god, oh god. But you know. I uh, feel that we can do more. And that's why I said we can do more. You know, all of these government agencies serve in different capacities. And when I say that, the city, they have their responsibilities, right? Um, um, Development, jobs, um, city services, the county, they have their responsibilities as human services, um, jobs, you know, um, what else do they do? Um, Development as well. So, and in the school board, we have our responsibility as education. So, you know, you have all of that. And I think we all have to work together to serve in our capacity. And I think that's way that's the way we move things forward. Mm-hmm. But when we point fingers and do the blame game and no accountability, well, you, you start to see this um, transpire in different ways, right? And... Um, and, and and that's why I, I I really focus on working with the other elected officials in my area, my city council member, my mayor, my uh, commissioner, my state rep, my state senator, my U.S. Congress, my U.S. Senate. Because my thing is, you can help us and we can help you knowing what these issues are. So when you're making laws and legislations and passing budgets and approving budgets, you know, like this is what it's going to take to fix these problems. And this is what you can do to help us on a school um, board level. You know, we need more development. We need more jobs. We need more rehabilitation, rehabilitation programs for parents and students. And I think that's really, that's why you need to be in that position, you know, Mm -hmm. because um, all of that is really outside of the scope of what the board description is, but it's necessary Mm -hmm. to really produce the change. Exactly. uh, and I think, like you know, like I'm I'm transitioning out of my position as an elected official, and I don't want to really be like I have some I have my reasons for for doing that. But like when I hear people that 
think about the position like you, I'm like, oh, she has to stay. <laughs> or she has, you have to stay in that space, right? And continue to do that stuff because I hear the energy you have and the passion that you have for it. One of the other things too, I don't think people really understand what you are faced with as a school board member is the amount of suffering that gets played out at our school sites. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, you know, hearing about um, like the child abuse or the, yeah. the, um, the, the suicides or the murders or like whatever um, comes up. And even with the egregious situations that happen with teachers that are protected by their union, you know, mm-hmm. that which just happens here. Um, and you're like, whoa, like, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, this, 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 this ain't about test scores. No. Well, you know, like, I mean, this is, but the, what we have to, it's really an honor to be, to serve. And, and, and what we, but what we come across is very hard to look at, but it's, it's very yeah. real, you know? Um, so we're in shelter in place. Yeah. And this is the summer. Mm. Atlanta's been in the news a lot. Do you have anything you want to say about mm. uh, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, um, some of the instances that happened in Atlanta before we close out? You know, I'm real close to my dad. So I talked to him a lot about, you know, growing up in Atlanta. He was born in 1940. He'd been through Jim Crow segregation, civil rights, you name it. I mean, even Morris Brown want to do a story about my dad, you know, doing marching, helping Martin Luther King as a college student at Morris Brown. And I look at all of that that he's been through in his lifetime. And he was able to see a black president. He's ever seen me on the school board, which I never thought I would be. And everything that he's seen, and now this is happening, it never stopped happening with, with the killings and the police of Black neighborhood and Black people. This is nothing new. This has been a continuation of slavery. The police and the KKK was formed to catch black slaves. And now that we're in 2020 and you think we would do better because we know better and we're still seeing these same things that are happening, it, 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 it's very frustrating because before we had cell phones that could record, we would read about this. Now we're actually seeing it real time playing out. I could not look at any of those videos of Aubrey or George Floyd. I couldn't. When I heard what happened and I read about it, I knew. I didn't want to look at it because I I didn't want to keep crying. And I say that because you hurt for your brothers that are being killed. And then the situation with um, Rayshard Brooks, I couldn't even watch that video. I watched a little bit when he was pleading with the officer, like, I don't want to violate anything. I just want to go home. I can walk to my sister's house. And they still won't let him go. And I was just like, man, I, I can't watch. I cannot watch them kill him. I can't. And I know the pain that everybody is feeling because they watched it. That's why they're in the streets. I get it. And it's very hurtful. It's very painful. It makes you angry because we're still being killed and hunted here. And and I say 
Atlanta is a black city. Everybody talk about Atlanta is a black Mecca. But yet we can't even protect our own from being killed. But yet we can't even educate our own. But yet you come in the black community, not all in Atlanta. We got some nice black communities, don't get me wrong. But when you come in the areas that are underserved and underdeveloped, that ain't nothing to be bragging about. That's not to be running around talking about oh, we the black neck of the land for black opportunity when you when we not even take care of our own people. And I'm saying that for everyone who's in an elected position. And so now there's a big movement. Black people better get what they need out of it for us, for sustainability for the future. Not just a hashtag, not just a t-shirt, not just to be on TV and be popular and get more Instagrams and Facebook likes. Like, what is our agenda? What are we trying to do? Don't just celebrate Juneteenth because you don't want to be considered a racist. Like, don't do that. Because see, Juneteenth is real, okay? (laughs) I'm just saying. You know, you know, and I'm being real to it because this ain't no game. This is life. This is life. I remember telling one of my friends one day, it doesn't matter who wins the presidency because at the end of the day, I'm black and that ain't going to never change. And if you know what is what it feels like to be black and to go through all these obstacles and challenges, then you can't say nothing to me. Mm-hmm. So when I look at all these things that are taking place, I look at everyone in the leadership position. What are we going to do? That's it. What are we going to do? And what's our agenda? Mm -hmm. And it better not be getting appointments, you know, getting little crumbs Mm -hmm. on the table. Mm -hmm. Okay. It better (laughs) be for advancing our people with 13% or maybe 13.5% of the population. 6.5% 6.5% of African-American men are incarcerated. Mm-hmm. Think about it. We got a problem. Mm-hmm. So we are going to be in these positions to do the good, or we're going to be in these positions to get the crumbs. Which one is going to be? Mm-hmm. I don't need no crumbs. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I'm just saying, but that's where we are. And I, and I'm mayor. And I chat with her a couple of times and she knows she has my support, but she got to be with the people. Um, This is a challenging time for her. It's a hard, hard place to be in. I get it. You got people coming at you all kind of ways. I get it. But you got to stay true to what you believe in. You got to stay true to what your people need. Mm -hmm. And I know that she will come through this on top, helping us we looking at police reform i think she's going to drive that work and and be that platform for other cities to to look at how it's done um i have a lot of faith in her that she will pull pull us through this um but we have to be united uh, we can't be against each other but and, and those who don't want to serve who just want titles positions and appointments gotta go mm-hmm. gotta go because you're not helping, you're hurting. And then that's just that's just me being real. Right. And I and I said whether I get reelected or not, I'm gonna stand in my truth and what I believe is right. Mm-hmm. Either I mean I'm standing with my community. Right. The people that I serve. That's who elected me. And if they don't want me, they don't want me. If they do, they'll keep me. 
mean, mm-hmm. that's what it is, but I will never sell them out. That's mm-hmm. what I won't do. Cause I can't sleep at night. Cause I sold my people out. Mm-hmm. And that's just being real. Miss Erica Mitchell. We Mitchells, we win. Yeah. My dad said, you're Mitchell, you're a winner. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh... Annie Mae can succeed to read, read, read. Yes, if you read, you will succeed. Annie Mae Mitchell. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Serving the good people of District 5 in the city, the beautiful city of Atlanta. Um, uh, We got to keep this. We got to keep uphold and and help advance leaders like Erica Mitchell. How can they get a hold of you? How can they stay connected to you? What's what's the way to... Oh, my... Okay, yeah, my social media stuff. (laughs) I like five pages floating around on them, you know. Um, <laughs> so I have a website um, and you can subscribe to my, um, what is it? Newsletters. Yes, my newsletters. Mm-hmm. Um, that's www.erica, that's E-R-I-K-A, Y, the letter Y, Mitchell, M-I-T-C-H-E-L-L, at, I mean, dot com. So that's ericawymitchell.com. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Erica Y. Mitchell or Facebook, Erica Y. Mitchell. <laughs> Twitter. I think my Twitter is Mitchell for five. I don't even like, I don't even look at Twitter, but I got to try to do that. <laughs> between Instagram and Facebook, I'm like, I got to add one more. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> so I'm trying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I appreciate you taking the time. It was great to hear about your story. Um, I was really moved by, I was really moved by your story and and the pride that you speak about your city and your family with you know i look forward to supporting you and and rooting for you uh as you do this position and whatever else you do in the future thank you thank you for having peace peace so we out